1: Wellness, fitness, nutrition, all of it is getting a makeover in this age of mobile tech. Now you can book doctor appointments on an app, get your blood drawn and the results back in 20 minutes. You can give your doctor access to your genetic code and get truly personalized service. Your stationary bike can connect To the internet to motivate you but how much is too much and what are the best services to check out happy new year and welcome to Fort Knox rich ideas and powerful people I am John Fort from CNBC at the Nasdaq market site overlooking Times Square we have got just the show to kick off the year whether you do resolutions or not joining me today CNBC reporters Chrissy Farr and Diana Olick and I'm thrilled to have WW CEO Mindy Grossman here with me what's WW the artist formerly known as, as Weight Watchers, Weight Watchers. Right? Very good. John, great to be here. <laughs> uh, great <laughs> happy to have you. Happy New Year. Happy uh, New Year. First, I want to start off talking about wellness. And um, guys, I, I guess this encompasses not just doctor's visits, but all sorts of ways that people are trying to take care of themselves. Uh, Chrissy Farr, I, I saw on Twitter and on CNBC.com that you recently did a keto. Diet experiment. I know my best friend back in California was similarly messing with this and like kind of entering into an app, his different levels and things like that. Tell me, uh, how is that going and why is it such a big thing, particularly <laughs> in the West Coast, of San Francisco Bay Area, right now?
2: Well, um, I'd love to say that I'm still going with it, but um, Christmas and the holiday season in general just really wasn't a time for me to be cutting out carbs. <laughs> um, but I did I did try it for two weeks uh, or thereabouts, um, and uh, it's interesting. It's, a, it's basically a very low-carbohydrate diet but then you make up for that with protein and especially fat. Um, So this is actually a regimen that allows you to eat things like cheese in abundance Um, and that is always a good thing for someone like me. Um, But then I had to cut out just so much sugary food and there is sugar in everything, John. I had no idea. I mean it's it's in yogurts, it's in sauces, Um, so you're just vigilantly checking the back of packaging all the time, because just one little bit of sugar can kick you out of ketosis, um, which can take three or four days to kind of get into in the first place. And that's basically this idea that you can you can burn um, your natural fat sources rather than converting carbs into energy. Um, so I had bad breath for a while, and I was sort of in a bad mood for a few days, but uh, by the end of the first week, I, I actually felt pretty good, and it's potentially something I, I could do again. Um, so kind of mixed reviews on the, on the keto diet for me.
1: Uh, Diana Olick, um you're the one uh, in the CNBC family who I always say, if there were a, a zombie apocalypse, we're going to your house. Because you, <laughs> you, you, you I have are, all the equipment. Right? You, well, I don't know about that, but I, I, I know you keep in like Sarah Connor Terminator shape. Uh, I, I'm curious from the wellness perspective, if there are technologies and routines kind of heading into 2019. We're, we're going to get to the Peloton bike in, in a bit, but uh, routines around wellness that you found useful
0: well I just find all the apps I mean I have on my phone right now probably a dozen apps I'm using them for myself I use them for my son who is a varsity baseball player in high school and it's just ways to keep your food intake tracked and whether it's my fitness pal or any number of the other ones that are out there it's just a good way to keep track of everything because once you begin to see how much you're eating whether it's the sugar or that I can't do the keto because and I don't know why anyone <laughs> would try to do it over the holidays but it just helps you keep track of what you're doing and makes you aware of it and all of these apps are extremely helpful. Of course, it's hard to know which ones to choose. There are so many out there. And what's really, to me, is so interesting is now that we're pushing past the equipment and the actual things you use to stay fit to the technology and the information to stay fit. So I can be in my house and at my fingertips literally have my food intake, uh, my carb burn, my fat burn, my everything, as well as any number of workouts that I want to do in my basement or wherever, (laughs) including the yoga. And the Pilates and the, the high high uh, intensity ones and the low intensities and ones and whatever. It's just the problem now for me is there's so much to choose from.
1: Yeah, Mindy, you've got a target rich environment here. I feel like we're all talking your language <laughs> as far as not only the things that WW, Weight Watchers, um, is working on now, but sort of. Your, your career path. You were with Home Shopping Network, HSN before this. Everybody's going to abbreviations. Um, <laughs> you, you were with Nike and really redefined and built the apparel business there, which was so much based not just on a general level of activity, but different sorts of active people, lifestyles, connecting to the person. How is technology really shifting the way people engage with these uh, various ways of it? Well, everything?
3: technology has become an incredible enabler to give people a full ecosystem of support for what they need. And everything you just heard from, um, people need things That can integrate into their lives and that are fully livable, in order for them to be sustainable. Hmm. And you know, we just conducted a research study, and everything I've done throughout my entire career has been about observing where consumer behavior is going and seeing what people need. And the reason we're building an ecosystem, you need to do it qualitatively, you need to do it quantitatively. We have a complete uh, scientific office, a chief scientific. Officer, um, It's why, again, this year we're number one in you know, best diets for weight loss, simplest, best commercial. But we're so much more than that today. We're a complete ecosystem of health. And technology has enabled us to do so much more. So not only can we provide everything around the tools of nutrition from freestyle our program. One of the beauties of it is you can eat anything you want yeah. on WW. We just teach you the habits. You have a, we have a proprietary barcode scanner so you know how much sugar is in all those mm. foods but today it's so much more it's not only nutrition it's activity we launched fit points 2.0 putting the science of what activity between resistance strength uh, intensity is going to work for you so there's activity yeah, we, in the it, point
1: system now yes how does, um, that, how does we, that work
3: so you get a certain number of fit points during the week that You're geared to do based on who you are personally. And then we've also partnered with Aptiv. So within the app, you have Audio Fitness that supports it. Mindset, another important element of people being able to be supported. So we've integrated original content from Headspace. Then we launched our first loyalty and rewards program, but it does not reward you for spending money. It rewards you for everything you do for your health. And then lastly, we've always been built on community. So Connect, which is our digital community, you can now even have specific Connect groups. So if you're a young mom and you want to connect with other people. So think of an ecosystem, what you put in your body, how you move your body, how your mind supports you, how you're motivated and how you're inspired and that's what people need today because when we did our study ninety percent of people say they want to do something more for their health going into two thousand nineteen right then if you ask them what's the first thing you need to do seventy-five percent of people in the u.s. said I need to lose weight or eat healthier <laughs> but that's not enough
1: that's not enough Uh Chrissy I wanna I wanna bring you in on this because one of the things a lot of people want to do is get a more I don't know, healthy relationship with their doctor. I know I recently switched doctors. Had a great one, good one, uh, with a group called One Medical that's in New York and I know a lot of other cities. Switched to one called Forward, which is kind of, tech-led, um, and you can do everything in the app. It's, it's kind of interesting. But I wonder what you see in your coverage of the medical industry. What are, what are different uh, doctor's offices? Uh, what's the industry trying to do with apps to connect people better to the data that's really important for them?
2: Yeah, it's great to hear. I'm also one medical member myself and have looked at for this really high tech approach to medicine. I, I think these things are really fascinating. But with doctors in general, um, you know, you see really across the board, some of them love the Apple watch. They want to talk to you about data that you've generated. They want to talk to you about your steps and they're learning how to engage with the patient in that new way. And I think there is, you know, others at the other end of the spectrum that just see this as a, a lot of noise and, and they want To be dealing with mostly the really sick um, people with complicated um, health conditions and they don't want to look at what they call the worried well and those are people who are generally healthy but just really anxious about their health and are just collecting data even though they don't really need to and so i think physicians are are worried about that i mean it it used to be they were just looking at webmd
1: and and self-diagnosing now they've got an apple watch and they're and they're taking their ecg right
2: Exactly. I mean, there's just people my age who are taking ECGs now all the time and there is very little evidence to suggest that there would be anything wrong um, and we're not even experiencing symptoms. So I think there are some doctors who really fear that and they don't want to get overburdened by it. Um, so that's been a, a really interesting trend to see.
3: But I think it's less about being a hypochondriac and more that people are overwhelmed and confused because there's so much information, hmm. and they want it simplified to them. And what's really going to be important, and what is trackable, and what's going to be actionable, and you know we sync two million unique devices a month on our program, both with Apple, Fitbit, etc. Um, but it's actually getting and synthesizing it down to what those important things are and having a
1: trusted partner to help you do that. Yeah. And D- Diana, I know that, uh, one of the ways that people are getting and tracking data now is through the exercise equipment itself. Peloton. um, You see the commercials. You hear people who are into it are really into it. They talk about it all the time. Tell me, how has that, first of all, are you a Peloton person?
0: (laughs) Yes, guilty. You Um, you are. I am. I am, and I've been been covering this company since it started, and I remember a couple of years ago when I did the first interview with the CEO, and he told me that this is not a fitness company, and this is not about the bike, and I didn't believe him at all. He said, (laughs) this is more of a tech social media company, and I said, what are you talking about. Well, now I totally understand what he's talking about. It's about what you were talking about with WW. It's connecting and it's taking all the information you have. And it's so interesting what Peloton is doing right now in its advertising campaign, which is that it's pushing its new app, which you can have on a tablet, you can stream onto your TV, you can have on your phone, whatever. And it has all kinds of things from biking to the new treadmill, to yoga, to all sorts of different workouts at home. But the idea is to stream it and no longer think about the equipment and they're actually showing this in their commercials with people on different bikes and different treadmills not on peloton equipment but using the peloton apps tracking their heart rate sending that through the app into the fitbit or the apple watch or doing all these things that are collecting your data through these apps for Peloton. So I think that's fascinating that they don't really care so much about you actually buying the bike as they do about you buying that service, that app, that monthly or annual fee that yeah. they're going to be getting for the next 10 years or whatever. And again, socially, having that social page, whether it's the Peloton Facebook page, which is incredibly interactive, or following any number of these fitness companies, boutique, large and small, online but in, clear the, so pretty, in the groups. Diana.
1: You don't really need motivation, right? I mean I, I Oh my know, god. Are I know you kidding. You, I mean come on, you're always killing it, right? No, like, no, and,
0: but when you're home by yourself, now that technology has brought this into your basement and made it so that you don't have to go to the gym. Maybe you go to a soul cycle class, maybe you want to do something social. It's mostly younger people I find, people my age, over a certain age, they're working out at home and there are so many opportunities, but they still want to feel like they're part of a group or talk to people. I got on the Peloton Facebook page, everybody was talking about the new treadmills that they got over Christmas and I'm hearing I'm reading all this stuff and I'm getting engaged and all of a sudden I said to my husband oh my god I wanna buy this Peloton treadmill and he's like honey you don't run and I was like oh god right I don't run but I wanted that treadmill you know so it's really working making you feel a part of it Yeah,
3: you can't underestimate the power of inspiration and community and whether that's a digital community like they have like we have or a physical community we still have 30,000 workshops a week and I mean people want to come together.
1: W.W. figured this out yes, a long time ago, right? To, the you groups you have to were... meet
3: people where they want. And yeah. if they want physical, and if they want digital, or they want to us the combination of both, which is what we provide. But never underestimate the power of community. We think
1: it's one of our greatest advantages. But not always, right? I mean, at least not on the digital side. You guys have had the physical community for a long time. To what degree did you have to work when you came in Almost a couple of years ago now, as CEO, and translating that offline experience that Weight Watchers has had to the combined offline and digital experience so that I you want to define over WW. So the few
3: years, we have an incredible team who've literally brought that to life and put humanity into technology. And to me, that's the most important thing. So brands of the future are going to have to marry technology plus meaning to help people lead more connected lives. And it's really important. And so Connect, which is our all 4 million subscribers, are part of Connect, and now you can find your own communities. And that's what's been, we've invested significantly. If you look at our investments over the last couple of years, they've all been in enhancements. Um, We have a big program right now in voice. Um, How do we bring that between Alexa and Google Home, and how do we make the experience even that much more? Why is that important? So just think, if you are tracking, and you're tracking your lunch, um, Alexa, you know, track my normal lunch. It's done for you. It's in the app. It's simple. Huh. Anything. And, and that you goes can into do. your home
0: too, as well. I hate to cut in, but you know, I also do real estate, and we recently did the whole smart home features. And if you're tracking what you're eating and you're tracking through the app, you can then track it to your smart refrigerator and your exactly. smart cupboard, which will then order your food for you from Amazon directly without you having to do anything. You can integrate your entire house and your shopping and your refrigerator.
1: Huh? So. When you're working on this with WW, are you seeing um, lower churn levels? People dropping off if they're absolutely connected on the app. Like, what can you share about exactly how much that ties in yeah. so to, to gi- keeping people yeah. on track?
3: So to give you an example, we have the highest retention in the history of the company at very high nine months, and we attribute that um, to connect to the community itself. Um, but also to all the other assets that we've provided, whether that be content, whether that be the rewards. I mean, once we launched Wellness Wins, we saw a 25% increase in food tracking and an 80% increase in activity tracking. Hmm. And that means people are more engaged. And the more we can keep them engaged, the more successful they're going to be on their journey. And I've been quoted as saying, you know, I hope uh, to be talking about retention in years versus months, because we're adding so much value to people's lives that we
1: just want to become their overall partner. Hmm. Chrissy, how much of this conversation is really about wellness, more than uh, whether it's medications or even um, doctor's offices specifically. We mentioned Headspace. There's Calm also. There are all kinds of apps that are really intending to get people into a certain frame of mind. And now frame of mind, probably more than ever, is, is part of how people think about health, Um, to to what degree is the medical profession driving that and and to what degree is that kind of a, a grassroots thing?
2: Well, a lot of the medical profession will criticize the system saying that what we have today is sick care. We only treat people once they're already in the doctor's office experiencing symptoms, not feeling good. Um, and that's perhaps you know years later than we should be engaging with people about their health. But it's been a big challenge to do that because for many of us, we don't wanna think about healthcare when we're not sick. That's when it becomes top of mind. So I think where the industry has been going, especially with trends like digital health, is in really trying to get people to be as proactive and engaged as possible. And I think we're learning that the way to do that is through this positive reinforcement. It's not through kind of negative messaging, Mm -hmm. where if you eat that cake, you'll gain weight and that's bad. It's through how do we encourage people to care by experiencing all these benefits and giving them these immediate feedback loops. And what's fascinating to me is that just in covering uh, things like the Apple Watch and the Fitbit, I'm seeing insurance companies, whether it's health insurance or life insurance, employers, start to say, you know, we actually want to pay for this stuff if it's going to keep people healthy because that's cheaper for us in the long run. We'd rather be able to reach those people when it's still cost effective for us to do so. So I think that's going to you know, bring the cost down eventually and mean that almost anyone could have access to these tools that, that cost kind of in the hundreds of dollars today. Yeah. And once it's sort of really prevalent like that, then it's all going to come together and not just be sick care versus wellness and fitness.
1: <laughs> this is Fort Knox. Uh, we're kicking off the year talking about about tech for nutrition, for wellness, for fitness. Uh, Chrissy Farr, Diana Olick, Mindy Grossman here with me talking about that. Mindy, I I gotta ask you, um, Oprah Mm -hmm. interviewed you for the job you have now, CEO of WW. She famously invested in Weight Watchers in 2015. How engaged is she in the process of uh, the, the company continuing to evolve how much of this are you bouncing off of her? Because if there's anybody who's connected to community right. and engaged, well, I was just, right?
3: I was just going to say that. Um, who wouldn't want to be a CEO who has Oprah on the board and who actively wants to be engaged in the future of the company? And she's been an incredible partner, uh, an incredible voice. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time kind of bouncing things off of her, particularly if you look at our most recent campaign that just launched, which is for everybody and your why. She's in the campaign speaking about what's important to her in terms of health. Uh, as well as new ambassadors that we have around the world, and Kate Hudson and Robbie Williams, and our own member ambassadors.
1: And you got um, like DJ Khaled in there too. And DJ Khaled. So what? What is the message on? I mean, for so long we associated Weight Watchers with get thin, right? There are these commercials right. where there's the tape around your waist and whatnot. Various companies do that, but now there's this message that's more about health. What? What, what is so, the shift you know, really? the
3: days of the past. You know, you you know got into business with someone, they hid, they came out, they lost all this weight. That's not reality today. Reality is the journey and sharing that journey with people. That's the world we live in. And it's really important. No one person's journey is the same. So you're now a young mom, Kate. Her journey is different Of being healthy for her kids. DJ Khaled, he wants to go on a journey to be healthier for his son and for his family. So how does that and conversation go? he wants to go?
1: inspire other people. How does that conversation go when you're signing him up? Like, is, is he agreeing to follow a certain regimen? Is he agreeing to share kind of his failures successes? You know, here's kind of what's important to me successes? in partnerships. Yeah.
3: Partnerships are when you both have the same goal. And our goal is to inspire more people to lead healthier lives. Because right now, we're talking about wellness. The world is not getting healthier. We're actually getting unhealthier as the wellness economy is growing. So we want people, and we want ambassadors, and we want partners who want to inspire other people through sharing their journey, their thoughts, or what we call their why, um, to help them lead healthier lives. And that was Oprah's mission from the very beginning, and she understood that as a brand and as a 55 year old brand who've been transforming and helping people impact their lives for 55 years, we not only had the permission, we had the responsibility to be that much more. Um, and be able to help them in a much more sustainable and holistic way. And that's really been what's happening.
1: Huh. Diana, you've tracked the the fitness industry on top of your uh, regular core duties uh, covering real estate as well for a while. How have you seen in the past few years, not just with WW but writ large, the approach and the message shift um, around weight versus health?
0: Well, everything is about health and fitness in the companies that I cover and all the you know on-demand streaming stuff. You see a lot more about nutrition coming into these videos. The thing that concerns me, though, is that you talk about the vast majority of Americans are not fit. We talk about these great big fitness companies, but it's really this kind of elite in the big city markets mm-hmm. where people have a lot more money. And if a person maybe of a lower income is given the option of, should I pay $10 a month for Netflix or $10 a month for this fitness app? that'll give me some home workouts, I'm probably gonna pay for Netflix. And I think we're losing that sort of middle, that lower to middle income person who is not able to pay for some of these more high end fitness apps or the fitness opportunities or or the the, um, equipment that are on a lot of these apps. And so I worry about that. I worry about young people as well. I think there's been this huge push toward eating right fitness exercising all of these boutique fitness companies in the big cities plus all of these other larger brands that are across the nation and they do not focus on kids at all and if you're not gonna start with kids you're really at an uphill battle by the time you get to your new client who's already above that and it's not till my kids turned sixteen recently that they were able to you know go to a yoga class on their own why are we not pushing fitness and all these things more toward youth that's my question
1: Chrissy, medical industry-wise, I don't hear a ton about pediatrics uh, and some of these advances. What do you see happening for young people?
2: That's actually a really good question. And I I was recently thinking about some of the spaces that are just not getting funded within this whole new digital health wellness industry. And I realized that I could not think of a single company focused on teens that had received any kind of venture capital in Hmm. the past Six or seven years since I've been covering it, you see a few around things like childhood obesity, but again, very little about teens. And another area that I just I see is really neglected is mental health in general, which is a huge part I think of this of this trend towards just general wellness um, that we often don't talk about, um, and it's it's clearly so important and such a huge need, and yet, you know, aside from some of these meditation apps that are coming onto the market, I see kind of still very little, relatively speaking, and just making things like talk therapy more accessible to people um, through their smartphones. There's a little bit of it, but it, it's expensive, and I, I, I just don't know where we're going to go from here to fill in some of these really important gaps.
3: Yeah. This democratization of wellness is so important, as is this idea of how do you really help families. So we've always had a scientific advisory board. Uh, In the past year, we established a youth and family advisory board of Hmm. MDs, psychologists, um, eating disorders, youth obesity. And we recently did a small acquisition of a company called Curbo, where the science is from Stanford, which is helping on childhood obesity. So we're doing a lot of work. It's very similar. It's It's a free app for families and then there's the opportunity to also have coaching um, but we're doing a very holistic uh, study and uh, body of work to say how do we want to help impact but it is going to be very important and if you again if you just look at the statistics If we do not do something, Millennials today will be the most obese generation in history. Wow. Um, And it's not about a diet. Yeah. Um, That's restrictive. You know, how long are you going to stay on? The thing that I love about WW, it's more of you can eat anything. It's a lifestyle that fits into your life. And we have to help families as much as we have to help individuals.
1: Yeah, lots of work to do. Um, Thanks to all of you, Diana Olick. Christina Farr, and of course, Mindy Grossman uh, from WW. This has been Fort Knox, Rich Ideas and Powerful People we're talking about in the new year, getting healthy with fitness, with nutrition, with wellness in general. There's technology to help uh, on the podcast. Further conversation with WW CEO, Mindy Grossman. Mindy Grossman, thank you for continuing uh, the conversation for Fort Knox. Your background is... Fascinating to me on multiple levels. Uh, Working in the menswear industry for a long time, moving to Polo Ralph Lauren, moving to Nike, HSN, now WW. I want to go way back to what seems like a critical decision that you made in college Mm -hmm. to transfer to George Washington University, right? right? my hometown of Washington, D.C., and then breaking off an engagement, moving to New York all of a sudden at the end, not, not finishing college. What was going through your head and what was the change that you decided to make?
3: Yeah, you know, it was really interesting because that was a defining moment in my life and probably why risk taking has never scared me since. <laughs> um, but there's a difference between risk and suicide, right? Mm. You know, I was an adopted kid. I always felt that I'd been given this gift and I had to give it back. So. I was told I could do anything I wanted to do. And I said, okay, I am going to do this. I'm going to pursue a path. I, w- I finished high school at 16, started college. Uh, was planning to be a lawyer, got engaged to 19 to my childhood sweetheart, and uh, was in my last semester, senior year of college in D.C., and had this epiphany that, you know, this really wasn't the path, that there was something else I wanted to do. Um, and I needed to figure it out, and it was something that had to be more creative um, and that I was ready to make a change. So imagine I made a phone call to my parents and said, I have something to tell you. I'm breaking my engagement. I'm not getting married. I'm not going to law school in the fall. I'm leaving school right now, and I'm moving to New York, and that's what I did. (laughs) And what Um, did they say? You know, there was silence on the other end of the phone, but, uh, you know, I was a pretty independent person, and I was... You know, supporting myself, and they said, I'm going to support you, and mm. moved to New York in 1977. So, um, been here a long
1: time. New York wasn't easy in 1977. It was
3: very different. It was very different. <laughs> it Times was Square wasn't pre- like this. Free Giuliani, yeah. You know? Yeah, Jiminy Cricket was. Uh, exactly. But, a hard you know, it, it gives you a sense of resilience, and I yeah. think that's something that I have. And mm. it also, you know, risk taking and boldness are the essence of transformation. So, if you look at my career, um, it's been anything but a linear path. Um, Why and, the
1: menswear industry?
3: You know, I had an opportunity, I had a couple of job offers, and mm-hmm. one of them was working for the president of an international division of a integrated portfolio menswear company called Manhattan Industries. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would give me the most diversity uh, as, a, as a first job. And then I ended up staying in menswear. I worked for a designer named Willie Smith in the 80s who Was one of the first designers to believe that fashion came from the street up, not couture down. One of the first uh, African American designers. He was spectacular. And uh, unfortunately, he died of AIDS. Um, And I went to work for Tommy Hilfiger just as he was exploding. Let's not get get too far ahead (laughs) of that.
1: I want to get to that. But what was the goal, right? Because it sounds like you weren't just passionate about menswear, you wanted to learn something. Yeah. So here's what's
3: interesting. So I have, I have three things that are always important to me. Um, am I really passionate about what I'm doing? Is it purposeful? Is it going to take me there? And can I make impact? And I finally realized early on where my greatest strength was. And it was in helping creativity create business success. Huh.
1: Translating an idea into into
3: business success and enabling people to do it. The second thing was I love motivating and building teams because I found that was what really fulfilled me personally. Mm -hmm. And if that was the case, that's what I was going to excel in.
1: What what was the, the project or the instance where you realized that you were good at that, taking an idea and making a product or a business out of it?
3: So... You know, I would say there were a number of of times, but if you go a little later, um, when I made the decision to leave Nike, which was an incredible experience, but I was doing, if you can imagine, this crazy commute between New York, Portland, and was out of the country 30% of the time, and I still worship at the altar of Phil Knight. Um, Why? You know, this is a man who truly believes in humanity, culture, Um, Has vision, but also has accountability. If you've read any of Phil's books, he lives every credo. And uh, he was a real mentor to me around, um, particularly, culture um, and inspiration. And, you know, when I made the decision to take the role at the time with Barry Diller, the company was owned by IAC, I mean, seriously, John, people thought I was having a midlife crisis. They're like, (laughs) you're leaving Nike to go do this. But you know what? Most people just see what's in front of them. They don't see what could be. And here I saw this incredible media platform in a world where brands were being distribution captive and couldn't tell their stories where technology was enabling everything from video to commerce. I was spending a lot of time in Japan when mobile was booming Mm -hmm. and said that if there was a way to take this linear platform, and I coined the concept of editorial program commerce. So imagine if you could take Food Network, HGTV, DIY, and Style, bring it to life, but people could buy the products. And that's what I saw. Um, but when but, but I got there, that's not
1: what it was. Right. It wasn't cool. It was Nike, not. for a long time, has been
3: so cool. Uh, you were definitely the cool kid at the party when they asked you. And then when I went to, to work initially for HSN, I did go to a cocktail party. And somebody leaned over and goes, you know, I have shopped on Home Shopping Network. I go, why are you whispering? <laughs> and so my goal was to take the whisper out of it. And we relaunched the network as an entertainment uh commerce platform and uh really created a whole new digital we were one of the first e-commerce players to launch an app um we were one of the only people to ever integrate a gaming platform called hsn arcade right there because Mm. we knew and it's no different than what i'm doing today the more engagement the more inspiration and the more community you can create the greater the impact, whatever that impact is, whatever business that you're in, um, and that to me has always been compelling. I'd say the one difference with, um, you know, this role and why I so passionately wanted to do it. You know, I was at a point in my career um, where if I was going to do one more, you know, big thing. I said it has to do two things not only do i want to deliver a financial return on equity Mm -hmm. i want to deliver a human return on equity Hmm. Um, and so to have something that's enabling me to do both that is very very powerful and it goes back to my original credo of transformation am i passionate is it purposeful and in this case will it have real impact
1: when did you decide to make the leap away from HSN. Was it a thing where you decided, I- I've kind of done all that I have to do here, the next thing will present itself, or did this next thing come along and you said, oh, I guess I have to No,
3: it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, we were going to be putting a CEO in, I was potentially transitioning to, you know, chairman. But again, I knew I wanted to do one big thing. And of course what am I going to get what am I getting all the calls for? Right? Mm. Go run giant retail operations not that that would not have been great but it wasn't what i felt and when i saw the opportunity at uh, weight watchers at the time and i started doing my due diligence and looked at this company and started speaking with people and the thing that struck me more than anything else no matter who i spoke to they had a story Hmm. whether it was theirs their mothers their grandmothers their fathers their sisters and it was all positive. And then I spoke to people whose lives had truly been transformed. And not one person opened with how much weight they lost. They said, I'm a better person. I'm a better parent. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a better husband. And they walked me through the why. Hmm. And that's when, for me, the light bulb went on. And, you know, after meeting Oprah, certainly, and talking to the rest of the board, um, I felt that. This was an opportunity of a lifetime to really create the kind of impact that you can't always make in other businesses.
1: Before we close, I wanna go back, what, 20 plus years to one thing you mentioned and one thing you didn't. Tommy Hilfiger and Polo, Polo Jeans. You launched Polo Jeans. Get me into the sense of the anatomy of a hit. At what point do you know that an idea is going to explode? Uh, how many false positives are there? Is that something you learned at Hilfig or what?
3: Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate. You know, I worked for Tommy for a little over three years. We're still good friends. He's a fantastic guy. But um, before I launched Polo Jeans, I actually went to turn around Chaps Ralph Lauren. Mm. Um, which was flailing, not doing a lot. And I was able to take it from 25 million to 250 million in three years, then went and headed How'd up new business development. We actually recreated and created a whole new category of menswear called main floor collections for the stores that weren't able to carry polo, um, for the stores that had polo, mm. and then for the stores that didn't have polo, we became. Chaps Ralph Lauren became their polo shops. So we were able to create a whole new footprint across the entire menswear industry. Then I ran new business development for Ralph Lauren, which is when we did the business plan for Polo Jeans. But to your point about when did you know, we had just come off Double not having been as successful as they would have liked it to. Hmm. So now you're launching a whole new jeans company where people are somewhat skeptical. And what we said is, we're going to be Americana. We're going to be the roots of what Ralph Lauren is, but we're going to express it in a denim culture and in more of a street, somewhat younger culture. Hmm. And, you know, I always say, I remember that first winter, it was when you still needed subway tokens. <laughs> um, and I'm traveling around the city in the snow, finding the real estate, hiring the people. And I said, I, I know what it's like to do a startup, but fortunately, it was someone else's money to a degree. <laughs> um, Even when it's a startup startup, it's, it's often someone else's money. Yeah. I have such respect. It's yeah. really hard. But the part that's so rewarding is you're building the team from the beginning. You're building the concepts. You're building, you're not unwinding, you know, things. Um, and, you know, we launched and it took off because we struck a chord with people we were affordable but we were aspirational Mm. and there's a consistency of all the brands i've ever worked for they're accessible but aspirational nike's another great example of that and we were able to take the business from zero to close to 500 million and then it got acquired by jones new york Um, but it was it was an incredible moment and i'm still Close, you know, when I look at how many of the people that came out of there are now running other big businesses, the same out of, you know, Nike, et cetera. Um, But they're all businesses, and I believe that every business that I have ever built, I've built it on culture. Hmm. I've built it on an aligned vision, an engaged culture, people who are passionate and want to collaborate and together create
1: something that's going to have an impact. I look forward to seeing what you continue to do. With W.W. Mindy Grossman, thanks for sitting down for Fort Knox. Thank you for this. I'm John Fort from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes. Leave me a note. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox series on LinkedIn. That's a brand new and great way to keep in touch with the trends I'm seeing both on this Fort Knox show and in my other work on CNBC. It's also the absolute best way to be in touch with me. Leave a comment on the series. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube, F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X dot slash YouTube. You can go to the CNBC apps on Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV. Also, find Fort Knox in the featured area there. And meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or FortKnox.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear.